Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for the great response to uh, yesterday's podcast with Jan Markell. Uh, we appreciate you guys sharing it on social media. As you know, this ministry is shadow banned by the big tech tyrants. And in fact, I just saw something I got a notice from Facebook. I don't even know what post it is, but they said a post of yours was removed. This must have been on my author page. And they said it violated our community standards. And there was no link or no no way to see what post it was. So something's missing. And then you just got to move on, right? Press on. This is the day and age we're living in. Can't wait to get to our guest, J.B. Hickson, today, and we're going to be talking about an important subject um, in asking the question, answering the question, is the country we love becoming the country we fear? Very important to recognize true, unedited American history and the direction of youth today due to the public schools. We'll get into all that. Father, thank you for giving us another day. We recognize your sovereignty, and we recognize your faithfulness in our lives and in your true church, the remnant of believers across the country and around the world. We ask that you would protect our brothers and sisters in Christ that are dealing with severe persecution in those countries. Father, in restricted nations, we ask for your mercy, and we pray that you would uh, give us that eternal perspective and really the perspective of persecution and what that really means. Um, It's inconvenient for us here in America, and some Times it's a little frustrating, but it's nowhere near what our brothers and sisters are going through. So, Lord, give us the strength to deal with the battles we need to face here in this country and help us to recognize your blessings on this land. And, uh, Lord, um, please give us wisdom on how to respond to so many abandoning uh, the biblical worldview, even in the church. We love you, Father. Help us to test all things. And we thank you for the privilege and honor of being able to speak about this, the freedom of speech that we have. While we have it, uh, we try not to take it for granted. We praise you, and may you be glorified in this podcast and in this day in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Dr. J.B. Hickson is back with us, not by Works Ministries. Um, He's been with us many times, and we just absolutely love him, one of our favorite guests. We want to direct you to his podcast, his radio program, I should say, Not By Works, 25-minute daily program, and also Plum Creek Chapel in Colorado. If you're between Denver and Colorado Springs, uh, we've sent people there. We'd love to send more. So make sure to let people know it's in that area, and there's great teaching. Of course, that's a pretty good area for the body of Christ, even in a blue state. But J.B. Hickson, thank you so much for being back with us, brother. Hey, Dave. Great to be here, and, uh, you know, I appreciate your kind words. My favorite guest was on yesterday. I love Jan Markell. What a great show that was. <laughs> yeah, she's a blessing. She is just a blessing to the body and um, and to me personally. But before we get into the topic today, JB, I've just got to remind people, this is interesting. Just yesterday I spoke with Wait a minute. Tuesday it was. I spoke with my publisher for my new book, and thank you for carrying it at the Not By Works store. Um, so I want to direct people there, by the way, notbyworks.org. And if you go to the store, JB has my book available if you don't want to go to Amazon. But my publisher said he has not been able to p- put any ads on Facebook for my book because they are rejected. Why? Because of either political or social issues. So now, at least seven, probably more ads have been rejected by Facebook. And that's, that is what has worked in my favor in a way because the audience of Standard for the Truth and the, my friends on social media, I tell them what happened, and they hate censorship. They hate the fact that big tech is doing this to Christians, conservatives, and they're not doing it to the secular progressives and the liberals and the leftists. So we are um, just letting you know, I actually personally got seven more cases of books in. If you need to get any more, please get a hold of me here. If you're in Northeast Wisconsin, if you could use a case of books, 50% off uh, the retail price, I'll be glad to get you uh, 24 or anything over 10 you can get from my publisher at 50% off. So if you need that information, get a hold of me here. Comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Well, JB, I was fascinated by the different type of uh, messages and sermons 
on the 4th of July by pastors and religious leaders across the country, some good, some not so good. And you did a very good one, and I thank you for your diligence to not only the Scriptures, but also to our history. You did one uh, One Nation Under God. You did a 4th of July message. First of all, just your thoughts on the importance of breaking away from maybe you're, you might be going through a typical book or a series and on the 4th of July, the day that America traditionally celebrates independence, um, just tell me about your message, what God put on your heart, and we'll get into the topic for today. Well, thanks, uh, Dave. Yeah, it uh, was a great day at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado, uh, Sunday. We uh, had one of our biggest events uh, that we've had in a long, long time. We uh, rented a big outdoor tent, uh, hired a uh, uh, catered barbecue company and uh, had a, a professional bluegrass band and just really celebrated because, you know, the Lord put on my heart that even though things are so discouraging right now in our country, and uh, you'd have to be living under a rock not to see the trajectory of all of our freedoms being stripped away, yes. and I think we're going to talk about some of that on the program today, but I just thought, you know, it's still the greatest country in the world. Uh, the fingerprints of God are all over the, the foundations of this country, and it's helpful to remember you know, our roots and where mm-hmm. we came from. And, uh, you know, Karl Marx said those who, uh, you know, if you can strip away history and rewrite history, then you've won the battle. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But mm-hmm. so, you know, I feel like in, a, in our public institutions, high schools, colleges, universities, they are doing everything they can to rewrite history, to, sh- to shove uh, uh, critical race theory and progressive socialism down the throats of our young people. And, uh, you know, it's the church's job to proclaim the truth. Yes. So we wanted to do our small part. So we had a great day. I talked about how, um, you know, many of our founding fathers uh, and others uh, at, in that time frame uh, were talking about the Lord, talking about the Bible, recognizing the influence of God's Word. Now, that's not to say that every one of our founding fathers was, you know, benevolent in their agenda. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there were a lot of things going on with the establishment of the New World Order, and Freemasonry coming over and establishing the Illuminati, which was founded on July 4, 1776 also. Hmm. So there are a lot of things going on, but nobody can deny that uh, God's fingerprints were on this nation, and this is, has been for 245 years a gospel-rich nation that has proclaimed the Word of God, seen people come to faith, and, and been used of the Lord. So uh, we were really fired up, our people were excited, and it was a wonderful uh, wonderful day of celebration. And thank you for going that direction. Um, boy, I, I just don't want to get into detail, but there are some pastors that just did not address what was truly happening in America, let alone be uh, true to history. They just took things out of context. And um, there there are some accusations by the left. They've, it's been around for a long time. Accusations of an evil country, our founders being uh, evil men, uh, all of them slave owners, and uh, they they weren't true Christians. They didn't follow the Bible. The Constitution that they gave us it needs to be dismantled or deconstructed because of the uh, vision of our founders or their worldview. Just a lot of stuff that you go, wow, it's no wonder that a lot of people today are confused and they get deceived by this idea that, well, we must, we have to just tear down the whole system and start over. Your thoughts on these lies, JB, that are now prevalent in our society? Yeah, well, the Constitution of the United States of America is the greatest document in the history of uh, human government. Uh, There's no question about it. It has done more to advance personal freedom, and uh, it set up a system that, of course, no system's going to be perfect because they're all made up of, of human beings, and humans are uh, fallen beings and depraved, and, and sin is always going to be an issue. But uh, it is really the greatest do- document when it comes to human government uh, that there is. And so uh, the, the New World Order, the Luciferian agenda that's out there uh, trying to take over the world and usher in a one-world religious, economic, and governmental system hates America. And it's all through their writings uh, and, and De, you know, declassified documents, leaked documents, white papers, you see it everywhere, that they want to destroy America mm-hmm. so that they can bring order out of chaos and usher in, ultimately, the satanic one world order that will ultimately be uh, led by the Antichrist. And so uh, they've had, they would have ushered in the one world system long before now, had it, had it not been for America. America is standing in the way because of God-fearing, Bible-believing, uh, freedom-loving uh, people. 
And so uh, they are really ratcheting it up now. We see in the last uh, couple of years in particular uh, unprecedented things like the censorship and cancel culture that you've talked so much about and uh, like, uh, you know, uh, co-opting the churches. Uh, you know, you asked a question. I don't think I answered it, but, you know, what, what is it okay for pastors to, um, to preach topical messages, essentially, is what you're saying. And absolutely it is. You know, I've always struggled with this sort of legalistic mindset among some conservative Bible churches that says you've got to go verse by verse. And so, you know, you've got preachers over there preaching verse by verse, word by word through Leviticus, and, you know, a, a big, you know, 9-11 event happens, and they, they show up in the pulpit, everybody's mind is on what's going on in the world, and they're saying, okay, turn with me to Leviticus 16 while we talk about the, you know, the festivals or, you know, whatever. It's like uh, our, uh, the purpose of proclaiming the Word of God is to interact with culture and give us the tools that we need. So you can preach topically, you can preach a book of the Bible, what, regardless of your chosen method, it has to be true to the text. You have to do proper exposition and exegesis and make sure you're handling the text correctly. But it's not like if you're not preaching through a book of the Bible, you're somehow doing a disservice uh, to the Word of God. I think it's not an either-or, it's a both-and. So you uh, laid out America's foundation, and, and you made some very, very good points in that sermon. And by the way, I believe you have it right on your home page at notbyworks.org. Is that correct? Yeah, I would encourage people to go there. It's just 22 minutes. Uh, we wanted to keep it short because we had a lot of guests and dignitaries there. We invited elected officials and first responders and people. But yeah, it's called One Nation Under God right on our homepage at notbyworks.org, and I encourage folks to, to check it out. Okay, so uh, JB, one of the first points you talked about was the foundation of America and how you put it, quote, God's fingerprints are all over the founding of America. So... Feel, yeah. feel free to share some quotes from our founders, because, like again, like I said, because of our massive problems with deception and the rewriting and editing of our true American history in the public schools, the government-run schools, plus the textbook publishers have gotten in the act now. Really, kids today, young people, and even if, you, if you're under 40, there's a good chance you probably don't know the complete truth about our founders and our history. Go ahead, J.B., yeah, so I, I think we have to we have to keep everything in balance. And my, my the point of the message was to show that God, our sovereign Creator, uh, superintended over the founding of this nation, and that His hands are all over it, and it's been used of Him. I'm not here to defend every single one of our founding fathers and and paint a picture as if they were all godly, born again believers mm -hmm. who were here simply seeking to do the will of God. We, we know that's not true. I mean, Thomas Jefferson, as great of a patriot as he was, and he's one of my favorite founding fathers in terms of his patriotism, he clearly was not a believer. I mean, if you look at the Thomas Jefferson Bible, it, he, took, he ripped out all the words of Jesus. You can actually go see it in, in a display case at the Jefferson Museum. So uh, I'm not here to defend every one of our founding fathers or somehow get inside their heart and see where they were in their walk with the Lord. What I'm saying is that if you read their writings, it is clear that they had a biblical worldview, a perspective that God was, you know, providential and that that God was, uh, that, there, that freedom was an unalienable right. You know, the Declaration of Independence begins with all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. So the Founding Fathers believed in a creator, and they believed that our rights came from him. And so it's not surprising that as you look at their documents and if you, as you look at even the architecture, which I recognize, you know, and I've talked about this in other uh, conferences, that the, the architecture of D.C. also has sort of a, uh, a, a bad side, a dark side. Yes. But nevertheless, if you look at you know the corner, the Washington Monument, the cornerstone that was laid in 1848, they put a copy of the Bible in there <laughs> with the U.S. Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, and mm. it's got engraved uh, statements like "Search the Scriptures" and "In God We Trust." And the U.S. Capitol building has engraved statements like "What hath God wrought?" and America, God shed his grace on thee, and again, in God we trust. So uh, it's all over the place. You see paintings hang hanging in the Capitol Rotunda that reference God and the Bible. Uh, you see stained glass that has pictures of, uh, like, for example, George Washington praying underneath a, a statement, this nation under God. Um, you look at the House Chamber's main door, and it's got 23 marble silhouettes of history's greatest lawmakers. And right in the middle with 11 more to the left and 11 more to the right, but right in the middle is Moses. 
and Moses is the only one of them facing forward. Well, that tells you they had to have some type of recognition or reverence for uh, God's biblical narrative. Hmm. Uh, The Supreme Court building, same thing. You've got uh, above the eastern colonnade all of history's major lawmakers, and Moses is in the center holding a depiction of the Ten Commandments. So, uh, you know, my point was that that, 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 that this is one nation under God. Uh, the fingerprints of God are all over the early days of America, hmm. and, uh, and we need to uh, fight to, to remind people of that at a time when um, those with an evil agenda are trying to destroy this country by destroying our heritage. Um, also, the Liberty Bell, it's fascinating, a Bible verse from Leviticus 25.10 that says, Proclaim liberty throughout the land unto all inhabitants thereof. And so, yeah, you can go all over the Washington, D.C. and our founding documents to monuments and things like that, and you can find evidence of the biblical Christian worldview, the Judeo-Christian worldview. One question I wanted to ask, J.B., you also said uh, in your message that God is not an American— and God is not a Republican nor a Democrat. Uh, expound on that a little bit. Yeah, so I think sometimes we have this, uh, what, what, we, what is often called in the literature, American exceptionalism. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, this is a, 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 a universal problem. Every culture tends to read the Bible through their uh, cultural setting. Uh, but uh, it's particularly a problem for America. And so you know, we need to understand, keep things in perspective. America's 245 years old. It's obviously the greatest nation in the world. God's used it in a powerful way. But in the grand scheme of 6,000 years of human history, uh, you know, America is not the end-all, be-all of God's plan. We're not the new Israel. We're not the apple of God's eye. Israel is the apple of God's eye, Amen. according to Scripture. Um, and so we need, and, and we never see any uh, reference to uh, a, this type of a nation in the West mentioned in Bible prophecy doesn't mean if you know we won't play a role. I believe if the rapture were to happen today and America is still around, that we will play a role, because so much of the seat of Luciferianism is right there in Washington, D.C. and New York City. So, But who knows? I mean, America, if the, if the Luciferians have their way, it'll be destroyed and long gone before they usher in the one world uh, order. But we just need to recognize that it's okay to have a balanced view and criticize what needs to be criticized in America that's contrary to biblical truth, and still be patriotic and be an American and proud of our country. Um, uh, But what we cannot do is, you know, rewrite history, disparage biblical morality, Mm -hmm. turn the Bible on its head, uh, attack the very core essence of the image of God and man with gender and uh, you know, gender uh, neutrality. And, you know, by the way, that gender neutrality, I call it the gender surrender movement, really is part of a larger scheme by the Luciferians to destroy identity and turn us all into these transhumanist, uh, you know, remember transgender is just a stepping stone to transhumanism, uh, t- turn us all into this transhumanist uh, robots that simply uh, dutifully follow and do what they say. So we also want to differentiate uh, in your message, and thank you for sending me uh, some bullet points on your notes, the difference between a democracy and a constitutional republic. We've just got two minutes left in this segment. If you could uh, start going down that road for us, J.B. Yeah, I mean, people, I'm sure, are aware that we are not a democracy. We're a constitutional uh, republic, and you know, Benjamin Franklin famously said, democracy is two wolves and a lamb voting on what to have for lunch. <laughs> and a liberty is a well-armed lamb contesting the vote. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we need to recognize that uh, the majority does not always rule. Um, sometimes the majority just means all the fools and all the, the evil folks are on the same side. We take our cue not from consensus, but from the, the Word of God. And we have a duty, even if we stand alone like Jesus did, on the cross. I mean, by the time he got to the cross, he was, uh, he, everybody had abandoned him. And conventional leadership experts would say he was a failure because he didn't have any followers. But sometimes leadership means being willing to stand alone. And we are, our duty as believers, as Christians, is to follow the word of God, not some, uh, you know, democratic vote. Didn't uh, democracy give us, uh, give the people at the time, Barabbas instead of Jesus, <laughs> like mob rule, <Yeah. laughs> basically. That's exactly right. 
Oh, my goodness, because they got the people to shout for Barabbas. So more people were shouting whether they wanted, truly wanted him to be freed or not. They got Barabbas. Well, that's democracy, a mob rule. Yeah, so we, we need to point that out, and I don't believe most people understand that. But we are a constitutional republic. And, uh, JB, we, we've got to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some issues with American education Um, A new poll came out saying only a third of young adults are proud to be an American. So our question should be, what do they believe America is? And we'll talk a little bit about uh, more about JB's message and how they are trying to destroy the foundations of this country. When we come back on Stand Up For The Truth with J.B. Hickson. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. J.B. Hickson is our guest. Not By Works is his ministry, notbyworks.org. Monday, the day after Independence Day, when we all celebrated, most of us celebrated the 4th of July and we're proud to be Americans, a poll came out saying only about a third of young adults say they're proud to be an American. How did we get here? First of all, not all polls are accurate, but this seems to be in line with the direction of this younger generation. And the younger you get, the more uh, it seems they are against the biblical worldview, against the God of the Bible, and they are pro whether it be um, secular, progressive, socialist, even globalist, uh, global warming, and um, climate change is an existential threat to a lot of young people today. But let's talk about this poll, JB, between the ages of 18 and 24. They were also most likely to say uh, they were only slightly or not at all proud to be American. And on the flip side of that, the good news, 86% of senior citizens, <laughs> meaning those over 65, are the most proud of their country, as well as 75% of those between the ages of 45 and 64. But we've got a problem with young people today. Uh, can we trace it anywhere? Uh, absolutely. It's by design. And by the way, you mentioned polls are not always accurate. I don't think that one's accurate. My gut tells me it's more like 20% or less mm. of young people 18 to 24 are proud of their country. And yeah. uh, it just infuriates me. And it makes me sad. You know, I think we ought to, we ought to get all 18 to 24-year-olds throughout the country, put them on buses, drive them up to Arlington National Cemetery, mm. and have them walk around and tell all of those headstones uh, that they're not proud to be an American. Mm. Uh, it's just, it's absurd. But they've been brainwashed. They've been controlled. Um, the uh, Luciferians long ago took over the high, high, higher education system in this country, going back to the early 20th century and the Rockefeller Foundation uh, and the Carnegie Foundation. And so we should not be surprised. Um, but it's, uh, it's going to be an uphill battle. I mean, yes. uh, critical race theory right now is the latest attack. Uh, but there are many. Uh, it's a concerted effort on the part of uh, those uh, that are really pulling the strings in this world to try to bring down America. And, uh, you know, Jedediah Morse had a great uh, comment back in, I think it was 1799. He said, whenever the pillars of Christianity shall be overthrown, our present forms of Republican government must fall with them. Yeah. And uh, that's what they're trying to do. So, not surprised, but uh, deeply discouraging for sure. This is what it leads to. A couple other headlines. Um, there was a female, I don't remember what sport, but in the Olympic trials, Olympics, of course, are coming up in Japan. And there was an, an Olympic athlete that took third place that stood behind her two U.S. teammates and turned her back on the American flag because she was offended that the national anthem was being played and she had a black T-shirt over her head that said on the T-shirt, activist, athlete. This is at the Olympic trials. Also, several women on the U.S. soccer team turned away from the U.S. flag as a 98-year-old veteran played the national anthem on his harmonica. And you can see that over at the Gateway Pundit and other outlets. Uh, JB, one more thing, and you can comment on that. Uh, disturbing. I don't think they should even be qualified to represent America. But this goes back to the education system. Um, as far as what the public and the media is putting out, Ben Shapiro said this, public education in America has all too often become a tool of those who wish to produce anti-citizens, those who wish to tear down the systems in the name of some higher or lower purpose. And he said, no society can survive this in the long term. 
J.B. Hickson, your thoughts? Yeah, he's exactly right. And, uh, and it's, it's, but what we need to understand is it's not just organic. It's not just this natural degeneration and the depravity of man getting worse and worse. That's certainly part of it, and that makes it even a more difficult to battle to fight. But it's by design. Mm-hmm. They have intentionally, you know, going back to the 60s when they took God and prayer out of school in 63, and, and, and then they started teaching, you know, Darwinian eugenics uh, in, in the schools. And your seventh grade biology teacher taught you that, you know, uh, you, you evolved from an ape and that uh, only the, the fittest should survive. And that if you've got a broken arm or you're a person of color, as Darwin taught, you should be destroyed and killed and murdered. So, you know, they, they've been infiltrated. They've infiltrated our schools a long time ago and they've been piling on and it's reaching, uh, you know, a real critical moment. That's the reason I and many others believe that we are living in the last of the last days. It, it seems like they've conquered every frontier. Uh, and, um, but absolutely, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, the education system. I cannot imagine, honestly, why any Christian parent would, would send their uh, children to an institution that by its own declaration is pagan mm-hmm. and uh, will not allow God in, in it, and, and, and allow that institution to train their children for eight hours a day, five days a week for 13 years. I just don't understand it. Um, and colleges, same thing. When kids yep. come home from college, you know, first semester Christian kids, they come home, and after only three months, they're already uh, parroting some of this social progressivism, uh, talking about how much they hate their country and how yeah. bad we are and how there's systemic racism. It, it, you know, if my kid came home from college after the first three months uh, and saying that, I'd pull him out. Yep. I'd say, I'm not going to pay for your education at that school. Uh, you can pay for it yourself, but I'm not going to put you in, a, in an institution that's going to undermine what God's Word says. And I wish that most parents would take that step and to do that. Um, but I think they're li- either naive or they're hoping for the best. They're hoping it's all not as bad <laughs> as uh, as some. But anyway, uh, JB, there's also a young man. He's actually a professor of theology. His name is Owen Strayan, and he's a young adult himself. He's in uh, probably in his mid-20s, maybe late 20s. But he pointed out recently the hypocrisy of young people today who enjoy the blessings and freedoms of living in America while— endlessly dumping on the country. He said, quote, young Christian, if you've been told that loving Christ and being thankful for your country cannot coexist, you've been misled. Loving your country is a form of neighbor love. Many American Christians know America is far from perfect, and it isn't our true home, yet we love it. So we're thankful that some are trying to push back against really the public and the culture, the direction of the culture. And uh, it was just disappointing that this poll came out right after the 4th of July. But, uh, J.B., I know there's a lot of other topics we wanted to get to within the title of the country becoming, well, the country we love becoming a country we could potentially fear. Uh, What other things are you seeing that you'd like to share? Well, I I, I want to just piggyback on what you just said about loving our country. I, I think we have to be able to be nuanced enough to love the ideals of our country, the principles of our country, the freedom of our country, and yet point out when leadership and key people in positions of authority are doing things that are wrong. Hmm. In other words, you know, you can't, it's, it's not blind allegiance. You can't just say, I love my country, therefore I will do whatever my leader says. I mean, that's uh, pretty foolish. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've certainly spoken out many times about some of the problems with uh, within the, the Beltway in Washington D.C., uh, but that doesn't mean we don't love our country. Uh, and so, but there are a lot of uh, problems uh, in, in our country. Uh, you know, the the uh, Constitution is slowly being uh, ripped ripped apart, and they're they're doing it not just subtly, you know, but blatantly. Time Magazine, you know, had a big uh, news story some a few years ago, right on the cover with a picture of our Constitution uh, going through a shredder. Mm, and the wow. title uh, uh, on the cover was, Does It Still Matter? Oh, my goodness. And they're trying to condition people yep. to think that it doesn't matter, that this is a fluid document. I can remember going back to the uh, uh, George W. Bush and Al Gore debates, and Al Gore plainly said that he believed the Constitution is a living, breathing document that needs to change through time. Wow. Uh, but it's not. It's a timeless 
document that uh, the principles have never changed, and uh, and and yet they are, you know, it's coming under attack at at every turn. I mean, First Amendment. Think of you know, think about just the implications of that one amendment: freedom of religion and speech and press and assembly. I mean, in the last year and a half alone, uh, we've seen uh, that those freedoms just completely uh, taken away. You've experienced it, the cancel culture. Yep. Um, if you say something that is uh, contrary to what the Luciferian agenda is, if you say something against LGBTQ or you say something against a critical race or you, you say something against the... Uh, uh, all the false narratives surrounding the uh, the pan- pandemic, uh, they're going to just censor you. Well, that's that's fundamental to American society is the freedom of speech, and yet it, we're just watching it slowly uh, drift away. And it's uh, and we could go through several others too if you'd like. Sure, absolutely. Uh, w- w- quick question first, though, clarify the difference. Absolutely, I I do not agree with Al- the Al Gore's of the world and the left. But the difference between changing or altering the foundation of the Constitution itself and making amendments, amendments to the Constitution. Yeah, so, um, you know, once it's enshrined in the Constitution, by the way, the, the amendments were, were the, the Bill of Rights anyway, were part and parcel to the original document. It was there were certain states that wouldn't even sign on unless you had those amendments in there. So we have to differentiate at least between the Bill of Rights and, and later uh, amendments, but uh, that's fine. If you want to um, ha- make an amendment, and some people do uh, for certain things like a marriage and so forth, uh, that's fine. But once it's enshrined in the Constitution, it becomes um, the absolute. It's in the same way that the Bible is the only standard for a, a person's beliefs, attitudes, and practices. The Constitution is the only standard for the rule of law, um, and and they're getting away from that. I'm told by some lawyers that. In most law schools today, they don't even teach a class on constitutional law. It's all about precedent, oh, wow. uh, which is amazing to me. It'd be like going to seminary and not taking any courses on the Bible, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good point. Is uh, we, we do need to recognize that there are times when the fundamental principle was wrong, and so we have a measure to correct it. Because unlike the Bible, the Constitution is not infallible. It's not the Word of God. It's not quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, but still, at once it's enshrined in the Constitution, it has to be the rule of law, or we've got to change it. You can't just ignore it. Let's talk about precedent, since you brought up that word. Um, why is that a bad thing um, when it's used so often in courts? And I can we go back to the, the case in 1947 that affected future— court cases. And let's talk about precedent just for a moment, JB, and how important it is. And uh, just go ahead, share your thoughts on that. Yeah, so that's a major shift, and it's a bad one, uh, when our legal system shifted to tracing everything back to the original intent of our Constitution versus precedent. And what precedent does is that, you know, they, they say a previous court ruled this way, therefore we must rule that way too. And what that does is it creates a shifting standard where the court can flip-flop. For example, I mean, here's an 1892 decision that I talked about Sunday. Um, The Supreme Court in 1892 ruled nine to nothing unanimously with Justice David Josiah Brewer writing the majority opinion, and they cited 87 precedents at that time, 87 precedents. (laughs) stating that the United States is a Christian nation. <laughs> he said, and the, and the majority opinion, Brewer wrote, this is historically true, that this is a Christian nation. So, but then somewhere along the line after that, another court that was liberal uh, flipped it and says, we're not a Christian nation. The next thing you know, they strip prayer out, they yeah. start killing babies, they start doing everything that's contrary to. So precedent is a very uh, dangerous, slippery slope and shifting standard. Uh, and we always need to go back and look at the original intent 
uh, of the Constitution as our only standard. Yes, and that 1947 case uh, that we mentioned, it, it, it was the uh, Everson versus Board of Education, and it was a landmark decision by the Supreme Court that had no precedent from my understanding, but it did change the course of history by introducing the ideal subtly of separation and activist judges introduced the fallacy that the First Amendment erected a wall between church and state. And, of course, we know the history of Thomas Jefferson's letter to the uh, uh, Baptist Association in Connecticut about that wall. It's not found anywhere in the Constitution, that idea of church and state, but we don't need to uh, get into that. But I'd love for you to just share a couple thoughts, if you would, on that before we move on, J.B. Yeah, that's the problem with precedent is that it always has to begin somewhere. So that 1947 court just pulled out of thin air a new rule. It's called legislation from the bench, Mm, right? And they're creating laws from the bench rather than applying the laws that were already in place. If I ever got elected to Congress, which I never would, but if I did, uh, I would would just about vote no on every single bill that comes up. (laughs) I don't think we need more laws. I think we just need to enforce the laws that are already there. Mm. I mean, obviously, I'm exaggerating. There are plenty of laws that need to be overturned. Right. But, uh, But you see my point. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a dangerous thing, and that's what we're up against. Uh, but we got to we got to fight within the system and and play the game the way it is being played for good or for bad. So, uh, but I'm not optimistic that our court, current high court, um, with the six allegedly conservative judges, you know, I believe Gorsuch is uh, controlled and Bry has been blackmailed, and I believe Kavanaugh has always been a part of the Luciferian elite. Mm. So I'm, I'm not at all optimistic that our current high court will change anything, uh, because that's not what they want. They want, until the Lord comes back and takes the throne and rules in perfect peace and justice, they have a satanic agenda, and they want uh, the Luciferian ideals to rule the day, not biblical ideals. Amen, brother. I want people to understand that's not, uh, you're just not being sensational or provocative. There is a demonic drive behind all this because of the, the the spirit of the Antichrist. And this is the age that we're in, and it is manifesting in the natural realm, in our politics, in our culture, in our government, in our public schools. We're not calling individuals uh, Satan or demons necessarily, but there's a very real aspect of these spiritual forces of darkness. And I know you talk a lot about that in some of your uh, DVD series. We've already got to take another break, JB. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Romans 13 and the level uh, Christians should obey their government. Is it unlimited submission? We've talked about that before on this podcast. But the National Education Association has decided to ignore parents' concerns, and they're going to plow through with this teaching of critical race theory. And also the Marxist ideology behind the New York Times 1619 Project. We've got to talk about that a little bit next on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. J.B. Hickson is our guest, and before we uh, jump into um, the Second Amendment, we we love the First Amendment, religion, uh, speech, freedom of the press, uh, to assemble and petition our government. But the Second Amendment is important, and they are starting to make a little bit of headway in legislation in this new administration and coming after your guns, if you are believing in the Second Amendment. But first, uh, J.B., let's let's tie off this uh, thought about the National Education Association they met uh, this week. It's, of course, the single largest teachers union in the country basically came right out and said, we're not, we're going to ignore parents. Uh, we passed a regu- resolution to share and publicize information already available on critical race theory. So they're going to be teaching more on white supremacy, anti-blackness, racism, patriarchy, capitalism, and other forms of oppression. This is from their own words, the National Education Association, and that includes the New York Times 1619 Project, basically saying we weren't founded in 1776, we were founded in 1619. So, JB, before we jump into the Second Amendment, just any uh, quick thought on this before we move on? Well, the NEA uh, has long been known, as many call it, as the Never Educate Anyone Association. Uh, They are (laughs) not educating and training and teaching uh, they are there with an agenda, uh, and, uh, and and obviously this is the end game for 
uh, for them right now. This is kind of if they can if they can win this critical race theory battle, uh, it's pretty much game over. Obviously, the Lord's timing is reigns supreme, and He's ultimately sovereign. But from the the enemy's perspective, uh, this is a big uh, part of their game. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And uh, boy, I don't know how any Christian teacher could to pay dues to that organization personally. I know. I have uh, several Christian teachers. That my family, I come from a family of teachers, but uh, one of my friends who just recently retired uh, early, um, he was, uh, they would discriminate against him and others who refused to pay dues to the Democrat Union, the um, NEA. Um, and another friend uh, decided she had to uh, resign because they, she had a Bible on her desk, and they asked her to remove it. So this is your public education system, friends. If you're listening right now, if you have kids in public schools, please say, and this is one of the most naive statements I've heard on this podcast, one of the most, JB. I know that's happening in other parts of the country, but it's not happening in my son or daughter's school. Um, yeah, well, well, it's amazing because everywhere, yeah, everywhere I go, that's what Christian parents say. So yeah. I it's, it's amazing how it can be happening everywhere, but not happening anywhere. I don't yes. understand it. Yeah, exactly. So let's move on, because that's just such a deep topic, and we can get into education. And we do often on this podcast, but very important, the Second Amendment, JB. You said something before we got back on the air here during our break. Um, it's sobering that tyrannical governments have to disarm its citizenry. So sh- share with us your thoughts and what you shared on Sunday. Yeah, so, you know, we were just, again, uh, talking before the break about different ways in which our foundations of our country are under attack and the Constitution is under attack and talked about the First Amendment. But the Second Amendment, obviously, uh, the right to keep and bear arms is also under attack. And uh, they are rewriting history and claiming that it wasn't uh, the Second Amendment wasn't put in there uh, to help uh, the citizenry defend itself against a tyrannical government, which is precisely the point of the Second Amendment. Uh, it wasn't put in there so that we could hunt. Uh, it was put in there so that we could defend ourselves if the government goes awry. Uh, but, uh, but that's under attack. Um, we, we see it everywhere. And just this week in New York, uh, the governor is using, quote, medical emergencies, medical tyranny, we call it, uh, to enact an executive order where he's trying to confiscate guns. And so uh, many people, myself included, were warning about this back at the beginning of the pandemic when they claim that a bad flu season uh, gives them the right to take away your rights and tell you you can't worship God on Easter Sunday, you can't you know, shop at certain stores, you've got to shut down your small business, you can't even go outside, you can't have people over for Thanksgiving dinner, all under the guise of medical emergency. Well, then we let them do it. We mm-hmm. stood by collectively, the church and the Americans, and let them do it. So, of course, we shouldn't be surprised that they're going to use medical emergency to enact all kinds of other uh, tyrannical uh, rules. And, um, you know, people um, often appeal, I, I hear this all the time from Christians, to Romans 13, yeah. to say, well, but, but, you know, J.B., shouldn't we just all obey the government? Well, that's not at all what the Bible says, and, and certainly not what, you know, Romans 13 says. Um, you know, uh, people misunderstand the context and uh, you know, really, it, it, the whole that whole approach to Romans 13, which is in the grand scheme of the last 2,000 years of church history, is a fairly novel uh, view. But it, it goes back to the divine right of kings argument that was used uh, during the Dark Ages, and and it, it led, frankly, to some of the most horrific human atrocities in in history. Uh, and and so when well-intentioned Christians appeal to Romans 13 as some kind of universal obey the government at all cost mandate, they're essentially aligning themselves with. Uh, people like uh, George Hagel, the grandfather of communism, who argued that government is divinely sanctioned to do anything it pleases, and that God requires people to submit regardless of the inalienable standards of equity and justice. So, um, I mean, this, this is the argument that's been used by every tyrant since Jesus' day, including Hitler. You know, Hitler co-opted the church uh, and said, you've got to obey the government. Remember what Romans yes. 13 says, and yeah. Christians just dutifully went along. So was, um, was even, de- go ahead. Well, I was just to say, even in our own day, a lot of people aren't aware that uh, shortly after 9-11, the government instituted a, uh, a group called a Clergy Response Team, uh, ironically the same acronym as uh, uh, Critical Race Theory, CRT, <laughs> Clergy Response Team, it's called, where they co-opted literally over a thousand 
uh, some say thousands, and I've actually seen one of the cards from one of the members of it, mm. uh, of clergy who they co-opted to preach from the pulpits that you should obey the government, that you know, wow. the Patriot Act was a good thing. And by the way, anytime they come out with these major new acts, they always give it a name that is exactly the opposite of what it really is. The Patriot Act should be called the Tyranny Act, you know. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, and, and that's just not what it's saying. I mean, Romans 13.1, when it says the authorities that exist are appointed by God, does that mean that every governmental system, everyone, is ordained by God? Uh, North Korea, China, uh, not the Nazis? That's a good point. Um, you know, it, of course it doesn't mean that. It absolutely can't be universal. It's they're, they're ordained by God to the extent that they're doing God's will. Uh, is Mao Zedong ordained by God? No. Were, were, was Auschwitz ordained by God? Of course not. Uh, and history includes many examples of Christians who've confronted governmental tyr- tyranny. And Jesus himself, by the way, thought that, thought that sometimes self-defense was necessary, Luke twenty-two thirty-six. And so, uh, you know, we've got to look at the big picture, compare Scripture with Scripture, uh, and recognize that Romans 13 is not some kind of a carte blanche, every government is speaking for God. Um, if the government is doing God's will and blessing good and punishing evil, fine. We're thankful for it, and it's, it's serving uh, under the will of God. But when it's not, uh, we need to echo the words of you know, Peter and John and say, is it, you, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. But we're going to do what God says. We ought to obey God rather than men, Acts 5.29. So uh, I really get, you know, kind of animated, as you might be able to tell, when when people, Christians, kind of basically appeal to the Bible and say that government trumps the Bible, and our government can do no wrong, and, uh, and look where it's gotten us. Exactly. And we went through a lot of this discussion last year when the government, uh, under the guise of health and a health emergency, said you've got to social distance, you've got to close down your business, you can't have people in your church, or you can only have a certain percentage, or you couldn't do this, couldn't do that, and you've got to wear masks and everything, and now you've got to take the vaccine. This is dangerous territory, but yet, there, JB, there are still some believers who are confused about this issue because it does say, the very second verse in Romans 13, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. Well, there's a lot of examples in Scripture of people who opposed authority. Is Scripture contradicting itself? Right, that's the point. That's called systematic theology, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Theologians call it the analogy of faith, and Scripture can never contradict itself. So clearly, Romans 13, 2 is not making a universal statement that if a, you know, if a father in China does not hand his daughters over to the Chinese communist government so they can rape and pillage them, he is disobeying God. I mean, that's just absurd on its face. So, uh, and as you said, when you compare Scripture, you see other examples where they resisted the government. And sometimes people will say, well, they were resisting the Jewish leadership. That wasn't really the government. Yes, it was. They were a theocracy Mm. at that time. And yeah, they were in cahoots with Rome, and it was sort of a joint venture, but it was very much a governmental uh, system uh, in Judaism in the first century. So they were absolutely uh, bucking uh, the government. So uh, again, you have to keep everything in context. There is a cosmic struggle between good and evil, and mm-hmm. you know, when we find ourselves living in a system where sometimes the government does evil things, we must obey God first. It goes back to the priority of relationships in creation. Uh, you know, God-man man-wife or husband-wife, parent-child, and then citizen-government was the fourth one. So, you, you know, your duty, first and foremost, above all else, is to God, not to the government. Amen. So just to clarify, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was not wrong for resisting the Nazis, resisting Hitler, like approximately one-third of uh, pastors in Germany did. Two-thirds of them caved and went along with the state church, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was not wrong, because he is held up to be a hero, somewhat of a hero, right, to most people in history. So he resisted authority, and uh, so he did not oppose the ordinance of God or the Scriptures, because God was first, because he was standing for the rights of human beings that were being really discriminated against and slaughtered, right? Yeah, he was not uh, wrong. He was a hero. Amen. And, you know, when you stand up against 
the devil, he was standing up against the devil, not yeah. God. So when <laughs> the government is doing things that please Satan and that are against God's word, then the government no longer uh, can expect Christians to obey them. Uh, you know, God is not schizophrenic. So that's what I'm saying. It's not a universal law. When, as long as the government is, is, is doing things in accordance with God's will, great, we obey them. Uh, and they're there to serve a purpose uh, uh, in God's plan of the ages. But when the government oversteps its bounds, does things that are clearly contrary to God's word, Christians not only uh, have the right, they have the duty to speak out uh, against it, as Bonhoeffer did. Amen. Uh, JB, we've just got about a minute and a half left. Um, just your closing thoughts on how Christians can respond today, knowing, let's just say most of our listeners, maybe they don't have children in the um, Antichrist government-run school system. Uh, maybe they just want to know how to respond to these issues when they come up, whether it's in the news or what the public schools or the government or the media is doing. Um, we're in a tough time in our country, but it's important, an important moment for Christians not to be silent, Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So I would just uh, turn back to the Word of God and, and remind believers of Proverbs 22.3, a prudent man foresees the difficulties ahead and prepares for them. Mm. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So uh, are you prepared? Uh, are you looking at reality? And uh, are you prioritizing your family? Uh, I mean, things are going to get tough. Biden just announced that he's going to send out his Stasi to go door to door to everyone who's not been vaccinated and pressure them into getting vaccinated. Uh, before long, they're going to be coming door to door. They're already doing this in some places, uh, but we're going to do it more widespread, taking your guns. So uh, it's I'm not this isn't just, you know, uh, fear mongering. Uh, uh, it's a reality. I mean, we're asleep at the wheel and we need to uh, be prepared and realize uh, that this is happening at warp speed. And uh, and those that are caught flat footed are going to really regret it. Well, we can pray and we can continue in the Word of God and uh, strengthen and encourage our brothers and sisters around us. J.B. Hicks and your teachings do that, and I want to direct people to not buy works ministries, and we'll have that link in the podcast notes at standupforthetruth.com. Appreciate you and your ministry, brother. We'll see you soon. Hey, thanks a bunch, Dave. Thank you. And by the way, when I said I'll see you soon, J.B. and I will be attending a pastor's conference together at the end of the month in Oklahoma, Liberty Pastors. Please tell your pastor about it libertypastors.com and that's something that we need more men of God that are going to be standing in these last days more and when we come back I'll let you know who our guests are the rest of this week and next week Stand Up For The Truth a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated keep the discussion going on social media Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth Oh, you're going to love tomorrow's guest. First time on the podcast. His name is Kevin McGarry. Kevin McGarry. He's the president of EBLM, Every Black Life Matters. And uh, yes, Kevin is black. So we're thankful that he has a voice that will reach people that I never will because people will discount sometimes what I might say or what you might say about Black Lives Matter, Global Network, and the Marxism that's driving that and the evil agendas on the left. They might discount what we say, but maybe they'll take other people's words for it with personal experience. So he's standing up for the black community as uh, it's, it's so important. Kevin McGarry, EBLM. You can get info at everyblm.com. And uh, we'll let you know a little bit more about some surprises we have for next week. But right now, I've just got to sign off and, and just say, as always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>